HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. Hi, I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. So every day the shutdown continues to grow is another day that there will be a backlog. This week, we're looking at the unexpected ways the government shutdown has impacted our food system. There are nearly 1.6 million New Yorkers who rely on SNAP to feed themselves and their families every single day. There is a real impact on our friends and neighbors. A lot of farmers rely on commodity loans at the end of the year. Since the offices are not open, those loans aren't available to them. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Food Without Borders, a show about food, politics, and identity. I'm your host, Sari Kamen, and you are listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I am live in studio in the back of Roberta's Pizza with my guest today, Adriana Urbina. Adriana is a Venezuelan-born, critically acclaimed chef. She's the founder of private dining company Tipui Dining, and she's a three-time champion of Food Network's Chopped. Her most recent victory was on the highly competitive Chopped Grand Championship, and she is the only Latin American female chef to have won this title. Very badass. Welcome to the show, Adriana Urbina. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, there's so much cool, impressive stuff in your bio just right off the top, but there's also a lot of meat to get into. So I'd love to hear a little bit about just the beginning, just growing up. Um, you're from Caracas. Yes, I'm from Caracas, um, the city. I was born and raised there. Um, and I love to live in there. The weather is perfect. And everyone is very happy all the time. <laughs> Sounds like a <laughs> great place to live. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how long did you live there for? I lived there 20 years. Oh, okay. So you yeah. really grew up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 18 
I'm sorry, 18. <laughs> That's okay. Um, tell us about like food culture there and what you remember of, uh, you know, was your mom a, a cook? Did you, did you start cooking at a pretty young age? Well, um, I had a very weird family. My mom was always working and my dad um, also worked, but he was more involved in the kitchen. So he was always cooking and he's, he's a very creative person. He's an architect and a painter. So, and he also loved to cook. So I was always cooking for him, with him. He always encouraged me to, to start being creative and like lose fear of um, cooking. So that's that how I started. Pretty unusual for the the patriarchal figure to be Absolutely. the main. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. All my friends, like their moms, first, none of my mom's friends worked. Mm. Uh, my mom was only, the only one that worked, and it worked so hard. And it was she was so passionate. What did she do? Um, she's an architect, an okay. urban planner. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was a different a different family, but I. I Thanks to that, I'm, I feel like I developed my creative part, a personality. So he was the one that got you interested in cooking Absolutely, at a pretty yes. young age? At a pretty young age. When did you start thinking about it as a possible profession? Um, well, high school was horrible for me. Yeah. I hated studying, um, and it was so bad. I was not motivated. I think that was that was it. I was very motivated cooking, and I felt 100% happy when I was cooking Mm -hmm. and I forgot about any everything that was happening in my life um and I was you hate about high school oh exams (laughs) math (laughs) physics everything um anything not artistic (laughs) exactly I wanted to create I wanted to be free I hated the structure um and in the kitchen I loved that I I was able to do whatever I wanted and the the result was unexpected um, so that tests me a lot to get to know who I was as a cook. And I also love to cook and um, eat. I love to eat. Um, so I woke up thinking about food and I went to bed <laughs> thinking about food. So when I, when I was graduating from high school, I was like, I don't know what to do with my life because I love cooking and I don't want to go to college. And all my friends are going to college. And I, I thought my parents were going to say, you have to go to college too. And when I, I told them about the idea of me going um, to culinary school, they were 100% supportive. Were you surprised by that? I was very surprised. Okay. I was very surprised. Um, my sister especially, she believed in me so much. And she was like, I know you need to go to culinary school. I mean, your dad would really not have a lot of grounds to be mad because he got you into cooking. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's, that's, I was very scared. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I, I decided that I needed to go to, to a kitchen and work there first and then decide if this is what I wanted to do because it's very different to cook at home mm-hmm. and cook at a real kitchen. So that's what I did. I found an internship without any experience. And I was like, please take me. Like, I'll... I'll do my best. I'm sure you're like uh, I'm to off learn. The yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I started in a kitchen, and it was the toughest, one of the toughest things that I've done um, because I was the only woman. And mm. kitchens in Venezuela are different. They're very, um, they're very hard. There's no structure whatsoever. It's mm. very different from Europe than like when I 
after I went to Europe and Spain, I, I was... I'm sure I, that felt like a machine when you went over there. Exactly, yeah. It what was, are, mm-hmm. um, just for reference, like, what are some of the sort of typical Argentinian, or I'm sorry, Venezuelan dishes or that you were either, like, working on in the restaurant or that you remember cooking like growing up and eating the funny thing is like um they in venezuela at that time they didn't we were not proud of our food Mm. we were cooking french or italian or so in that first restaurant that i worked we cook a lot of risottos pastas but at home i loved venezuelan food like that's what i wanted to eat for my like to eat every day so that's what I cooked every day and I researched and I was always like what else can I do to this or how can I tweak it and mm-hmm. make it different um, so yeah um, but you ended up going to a couple different countries after during culinary school or after culinary school to work in restaurants I mean really around the world yeah so I I worked in Venezuela then after six months, they ended up hiring me and I started making money. And I went to culinary school in Venezuela that it's very different from the culinary schools here. It's a little cheaper and it's like a year and a half. And they teach you only Venezuelan techniques like Venezuelan cuisine, and which I loved. But I, I thought I was like, I need to learn like French techniques and I want to go to Spain and how am I going to be able to afford that because it was so expensive so while I was studying I was working and I was saving money and I applied for an internship in in Spain and and I got it and then I went to France and studied a little more over there Um, and it was totally different and and opened my my eyes to a whole different world and then you went back to Venezuela? And I went back to Venezuela and things start getting very, very difficult. Politically. Politically. And, well, my mom had a radio station talking about urban planning and the radio station got shot down. Oh. So things got very difficult for me and Were my family. Were a lot of press outlets shut down? Yes, was it, a I lot. mean, was it kind of like an attack overall? Overall, freedom of yeah. Speech? It was very, very scary. And at that point, I was thinking to myself, if I stay here, I'm not going to be able to go out um, to leave because it's going to be harder to make money. It's going to be harder to find a job. So this is a time for me to go. Like, it's very tough and I didn't want to do it, but I had to. You felt like that was the moment. And also for my family. Um, I did it for me and for them, too. Because if I had a better future here and a visa and stability, I could, I was going to be able to help them. You mean like send money back to them? Exactly. Yeah. Was there ever a conversation with your parents about everybody leaving together? No, no. They never wanted to leave. Like they were, if you guys want to go, go. You're, you and your sister left. Yeah. My sister left um, six years before me. Oh, so she had already left at that point. Exactly. But not necessarily because of the, the situation. Yeah. yeah. She was born and raised in New York. My oh, parents okay. lived here for eight years. So she always knew she wanted to come here. Right. Yeah. Um, so you applied to leave as a, you fled, I mean, essentially as a political refugee. Yes, I did. I did. Um, and yeah, I came with nothing. Um, 
my sister kind of like helped me to get an apartment and you know start a little bit but I didn't have any money so I had to I had to start looking for a job and um, and I started knocking on doors I saw I sent a bunch of uh, curriculums and nobody answer me so I went there in person mm -hmm. I was like I send you an email I want to work here please so they were very shocked because nobody does that here in, in the United States and they were like wow you really want to work here so absolutely come tomorrow do a trial and then and then when they were like okay we want to hire you it was like I don't I okay perfect <laughs> <laughs> like, this yeah I was very shocked because I thought I was not going to get a job. Um, Perseverance goes a long way in New exactly. York, I think. Yeah. Not taking no for an answer. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in order to become a political refugee, is it, is, I guess, part of the, the agreement that you can't ever go back to Venezuela? Yeah. That was a very tough decision for me. Mm -hmm. But um, I was thinking about my future and my family's future. And how it was gonna like a long term? Please know there was be... no judgment in that question. No, no, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> that was gonna be the 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 right decision for me in yeah. the future. It was very hard at the moment, but then I was like, this is gonna give me a base to start building my career from the bottom up, and and hopefully I'll I'll build something. Yeah. Out of nothing. I mean, I can. I mean, I can't imagine what that decision must have been like, and just hearing you talk about Venezuela. Like, I mean, yeah. your eyes lit up and just talking about it. I mean, almost utopian in the way you describe it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you must miss it a yeah, lot. Yeah, I never imagined my life outside Venezuela. Mm. So it was very tough to to make this decision. But it was worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's so many things that have happened in your career since coming over, being on Chopped several times. Um, you became an executive chef at one point. You launched your own, I don't know, what, what is, is it? It's a dining company, a private dining company? Yeah, it's it started as a pop-up kind of thing, mm -hmm. model, um, and evolved into doing caterings and events and a bunch of like culinary experiences. Did that come after... The restaurant worked. Was that one more you were sort of yeah, out on your so own? I worked in several restaurants, uh, Mission Star restaurants, which I learned a lot here in New York. But then I was, I felt so empty, and I, I really wanted to go back to my roots. And I, I was thinking to myself that the most important thing that I had in my life is my heritage, mm. and I'm so proud to to be Venezuelan. And at that point, things were getting worse and worse and worse. So I was trying to think about how could I. Uh, combine my passion for cooking and helping and giving back. So at that time, pop-up dinners were starting to to come up. And I was like, well, this is a great idea to promote myself. I know it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to try it. So I started like knocking on doors again, mm -hmm. like trying to see where I could do a pop-up and thinking, oh, coffee shops are perfect because they're closed at night. And so I went to the coffee shops and I was like, I'm Adriana, I'm Venezuelan, I, I'm gonna cook, I wanna cook this food to help people and to help like, um, like also talk about good things that are happening in Venezuela through food. You wanted 
you wanted people to have a more positive image and understanding of Venezuela, apart from what they were reading in the exactly. news and through food. You thought that that was something that Absolutely. you could illustrate. Yes, that's perfect. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so how how do you com- connect your heritage through the food that you cook? And I have to say, I've looked at photos of your food, and granted, I have never been to Venezuela, so I don't even know. Like, I have no, you know, actual like empirical evidence whatsoever. But okay. like when I see it, I'm like, wow, that is absolutely stunning. It looks Thank like you. art on a plate, and it's certainly not what I picture when I think of what Venezuelan food looks like, or when you know I've been to a Venezuelan restaurant. So yeah. I'm so interested in how like your own personal aesthetic um, is plays into your. The, okay. the flavors and the and your background. Yeah, well, thank you so much. <laughs> um, well, I I love plating. Like I love making things beautiful and taste delicious. And I think I thought to myself that Venezuelan food is so amazing and so overrated. Like people don't no overrated. Underrated. People, exactly. People don't know what is Venezuelan food. And especially fine dining. Especially food. fine dining. Yeah. So I was like, I want to do like gorgeous food, but with our flavors. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of stews, a lot of like ceviches and fresh fish and shellfish. So that's how I integrated. And I wanted to also use the seasonal products that I found in New York that I, I don't find usually in Venezuela. So that was uh, very challenging for me. It sounds like a good challenge, though. Yeah, I loved <laughs> it. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like merge the two cultures in one, Venezuelan culture and culture in New York. Yeah. Um, because so much of, I guess, like the driving force behind what you do, what you do is because you want to promote Venezuelan culture. Can you talk a little bit about like what's going on? Like what is the actual... Christ, the political crisis that's happening there right now and I don't know how it how it affects you how it impacts your work how it impacts your mission well right now we have been um, with a president that is a dictatorship for the past 20 years and it's uh, very hard to find food to like inflation is like every day is going up and up and up so it's very hard to make money and it's very hard to live over there. Yeah. So uh, even though we're one of the biggest produ- producers of uh, oil and we have the best land to produce any, any vegetables or fruits that we want, um, it's very hard to, to get ingredients. So he, that, uh, the fact that I'm here in New York and that I, can, I have anything available. You have access to all the food. Exactly, and, it, and that I can do the dishes, like traditional dishes, that we love so much in Venezuela and I can show it to other people here and talk about what's happening and um, donate money to to give back in Venezuela. It's a huge thing for me and I want to do it more. I'm actually working with an organization. The name is Acción por Venezuela and they give back and, and they send food to kids um, that don't have enough money to afford food. So... I want to do more of that, hopefully. We're going to take a quick break. Stick with us. Uh, You're listening to Food Without Borders on Heritage Radio Network.
Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Hey, you're listening to Food Without Borders on Heritage Radio Network. I am Sari Kamen, your host. I've been chatting with Adriana Urbina. She is the chef and founder of private dining company Tapui Dining. Um, she's from Venezuela, so we've been chatting about the conditions that are happening over there. And, I mean, you mentioned right now that there's actually a little bit, there's a, there's a glimmer of hope that has recently surfaced. Yes. Um, so today, well, a couple of weeks ago, the, the precedent that we had for 20 years or 10 years, um, it was his last day and he decided to keep going. And that is completely illegal. So the opposition started a movement and seems like things are going to change, hopefully. Really? You feel yeah, that? You feel optimistic? I hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think things, for the first time, it looks like it's a different, completely different scenario. Hmm. Um, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. It won't happen overnight. But people are desperate for a change. Is and it, I mean, is it a matter of like physical violence that's going to happen? Is there going to be a revolt? Because it sounds like he's probably, probably not going to walk away. Probably... I hope not, mm-hmm. but it, it looks like that's what's going to happen. I hope um, we don't get to those terms, but we'll see. Hopefully. How, I mean, your parents are there, right? Yeah, they were there. They were marching. Yeah. And they're going to keep fighting. And they feel optimistic. They feel very optimistic. And yeah, what I was saying that Venezuela is a very optimistic country and even though we're despite, going through exactly uh, yeah. despite anything despite people going hungry and yeah 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 and that's what i also t- try to um, express with my food how beautiful people are there mm-hmm. um well i have to ask you about chopped sorry to change the subject but okay <laughs> you've been on three times yes you've won times. you've won three times yes that's incredible you are the only Latin American female chef to have won the title of Chopped Grand Championship. Yeah, hearing that is crazy. That I mean, it's I mean, I feel very humbled to be sitting across <laughs> from you right now. And also, I mean, you've been a female executive chef in New York City and uh, an immigrant. I mean, how how have you how is being a woman in these kind of situations and an immigrant? Um, how does that affect your identity, or were there there did it make these things more of a challenge, or was it a positive? going into um, it yeah well I think I had a lot of challenges 
um, being a woman and and being from another country because I didn't when I first got here I didn't know English very well so I feel like people thought I was stupid um, because I did it was very hard for me to understand so it was very frustrating but at the same time that made me stronger and and let me push like I was pushing all the time to be better I wanted to show everyone that I was I was better than what they thought and yeah I I, I never thought I was going to be in TV I hated it like I hate really? the spotlight I get very nervous it's funny because when I read your bio I was like oh she must be really competitive not at all I never <laughs> want anything in my life that's I mean, what I tell everyone to want to go on chop three times it just seems like you have to have that drive. Like you feed off that energy. Cause to me, it seems terrifying. It's insane. Like people ask me, that's why I want to talk to everyone that feels insecure or they feel like they can not do anything. Like I was the most insecure person. Like I would never thought in my life that I was going to be in a TV show and winning. Yeah. Um, but once I was there, I was like, okay, I don't have anything to lose. Like I just going to do it, enjoy it. And if I don't win, I always lose, so... You always lose? I always lose. No, you always win. (laughs) (laughs) But then it was like I was there, and it was natural. Um, So I always say, like, it's not that I'm special. It's just like I push myself. I push myself every day to try and do things that are out of my comfort zone, and I'm used to failure. So it's like, okay, nothing happens. I mean, it doesn't work. It just sounds like you haven't failed at anything. (laughs) I mean, you came over here, you came as a political refugee. Like you said, you had no money. You just started knocking on doors. You got yourself a restaurant job. You worked your way up (laughs) to being an executive chef of a Michelin star But it wasn't easy. Of course it wasn't, but you did it. But I did it. And a lot of people don't do it. A lot of people don't do it, but I feel like it's because they're afraid, not mm-hmm. because they can do it, it's because they're afraid. I feel like a lot of immigrants come to this country and succeed because they've had so little to work with and had so much to overcome that they Absolutely. come here and they're just like, nothing's stopping me at this point. Yes. And I see that drive in you, the way you talk about your whole your whole journey. Thank You're you. like, I have nothing to lose. I exactly. might as well just get it. Let's just do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Absolutely. it's really inspiring to listen to. Thank you. Do you remember uh, when you were on the show, like what the weirdest combination was that you had to work with? <gasps> wow. I'm sure you get this question. I had, I don't remember the name of what I got, but it was kind of like a fish. No, no, I remember what was it. <laughs> a pine, like pine. Like a pine needle? I Yeah, something yeah, like that. Or a pine cone. And it tasted horrible. <laughs> It was like so bitter. Like Christmas tree. Like a Christmas tree. So what are you going to do with that? <laughs> Things like that. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. What too. did you make? I made um, like yucca fritters. Mm-hmm. So I made like an oil with that. I cooked it till the flavor like it was mild. Yeah. And yeah. And then I'm being good and end up being good. It sounds good. Um I mean, you're a big women's rights advocate as well. I mean, just speaking of how, you know, your your role as a, as a female chef. Um, and I see you on Instagram, like, calling out, you know, yeah. supporting other women. How have you been able to use your work in the restaurants to, to lift up other women? Well, I love working with women. Um, I always wanted to find a way like, to help other women to get inspired. 
um, but I didn't know what to do. Like I knew that from my experience, it was so hard to build my own business without contacts, without anything. Um, so I wanted to give that back. And since I started my business, I was like trying to figure it out a way that I can give back and support more. Um, so I came up with this idea of um, giving giving the tools to other chefs to do start their own business because in the restaurants that I worked they were all like I was like why you don't do a pop-up dinner and they were like me mm. why and I'm like why not you're amazing you're super talented so I feel like there's a need for um, a real community where we can really support each other and you don't feel excluded and that it's a real like all supporting one chef you know instead of competing with each other. Yeah. And well, right now I'm very excited because I'm about to launch this project with one of my good, good friends that it's a co-founder of Women's March, Brian Butler. Um, and we're launching this program that we're gonna be helping a lot of chefs to like, just give them a platform and highlight them and mm -hmm. help them and give them the support and the tools that they need to be the best. So, We're going to be launching that in February 10th. Very soon. Very, very soon. And and the chef that it's going to do the pop-up, the first pop-up is Adrian Schiemann from Top Chef. And my goal is to take it to everywhere in Latin America too. I want to give them hope that you don't need much to start because it, it, it looks like it's impossible. Like, how am I gonna do that? Like she yeah. did, she went to a TV show. I never in my life thought I was gonna do all the <laughs> things that I've done. And I needed someone to believe in me. And that was my sister and my family. So I want to give that to other. Yeah, just creating the infrastructure. Exactly. So the support is there. Yeah. I think that's such an amazing idea. Thank you. What's it called? The table. The, the table. The table. Yeah, I love it. And it's not about me. It's about yeah. them. And I love that. Um, great. I mean, how can we learn more about this or get involved or support it? Well, um, you can go to the slash the table dot com. Um, and I we will be posting the events and information there. Yeah. Um, well, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, the last thing I'm just curious about is, I mean, because you mentioned the Women's March. Uh, you came to New York in, what, 2013? Or you came to the U.S. in 2013? 2010. 2010. Yeah. So it was it was a pretty different time, a pretty different climate totally generally. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, I mean, obviously things are really different on, you know, politically and just generally. How do you, f how does it make you feel like to be, to like have watched that transition and to come at such a, a positive time um, and have an administration that was so supportive in so many ways of immigration and to have it have flipped so drastically. I feel very worried. Mm -hmm. um, it, it looks very similar to Venezuelan government yeah. and what we went through. And that's very, very scary. Um, I think though that Americans are different. Like you guys complain, you guys <laughs> go, you know, and that's Good a trouble. great thing. Yeah. It's a great thing. I was like, I love Americans because they complain, and if they don't like it, they say it. Oh, that's interesting. So what you were saying about Venezuelans, like always being happy, was sort of the issue exactly. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that you guys are not going to get to that point because you fight for it mm -hmm. since the beginning. You see the problem, and you want to fix it. Mm. You find ways to fix it. 
So, so you're optimistic. Hope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, optimistic on all fronts. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, tell us where we can learn more about Tapui Dining. Well, Tapui Dining, you can go to tapuidining.com and you can follow me on Instagram for my next pop-ups. We're gonna, I'm going to be traveling a lot this year. Um, and it's Adriana, D-L-U-P. And yeah. Is it always a pop-up dinner or is it like, you know, what if, what if I wanted to have an event and come have you do the food? Is that something that's yes. a possibility? Yes, that's a possibility. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're on all the social medias, I'm assuming? Yes, I'm in all the social medias. You can contact me through my Instagram or my website, that it's my name, my full name, adrianaurbina.com. And you can find out of all my projects, different projects that I'm doing. Perfect. working. Well, thank you, Adriana, so much thank for you. coming on the show. Thank You're you. such an inspiration. It's just really a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much. Um, come back next week to hear more Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.